Hello and welcome to Owl Pellets, Tips for Ag Teachers podcast. Our goal at Owl Pellets is to help agriculture teachers like you find research-based solutions to the problems you face every day in the middle and high school classroom and as you advise your FFA chapters. Here you will find practical tips for your agriculture classroom and interesting information to incorporate into your teaching. We invite the best agricultural education faculty and researchers from around the country to come and talk with us and share what they have learned. The Owl Pellets crew is Kate Shoulders from the University of Arkansas, Marshall Baker from North Carolina State University, and me, Brian Myers from the University of Florida. For more information on Owl Pellets, please be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And visit our webpage at owlpelletsfrag.wordpress.com. Hello, Owl Pellets. This is Brian, Kate, and Marshall. We are here by the Owl Pellet um, with us today all the way from South Dakota State University. We are a national group here. We've got Laura Hasselquist here, and she is going to be talking to us about ag literacy. Laura, welcome to Owl Pellets. Hello. So tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and what we're going to be talking about today. Great. Uh, so I am originally from Wisconsin, so sometimes that accent gets a little out of control. Um, but I taught middle and high school agriculture there for eight years. And then I um, finished up my PhD at University of Missouri, and I just finished my first year at South Dakota State University in Brookings. And um, my area of research is reading and writing within agricultural education. Reading, writing, and agriculture. The two R's and A. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so. You're muted again, Marshall. You're killing me with this. <laughs> it's my, my button isn't pushing. It's broken because I've been hauling it around to record Kate. There's a lot of things broken. Your button is the least of your worries. <laughs> well, we can fix some of those because today, as we learn about reading, I can learn to read how to use my microphone with more um, comprehension. That's actually a great point, uh, Marshall, because... A lot of people hear literacy and they think it's just reading, but it's actually reading and writing and speaking and listening. So it's how we use language to understand the world around us and to make meaning from what's going on. So you're on the right track. Thank you for saving me. <laughs> I really, really appreciated her like politely slamming you though. That was like a really awesome higher ed slam. <laughs> it's also a Midwestern drag, so. <laughs> we should have you on here more often. I'd love to come back if you'll have me. <laughs> so Laura, tell us a little bit more about when we talk about literacy and agriculture and what this goes through, what are we talking about here and why should we as ag teachers even be concerned about it? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, um, so once you understand what literacy is, then you can start to think about how you use it. And we use literacy and ag ed in two different ways. We can use content literacy, content area literacy, which is just but generally helping kids get better with their reading and writing and speaking and listening skills, so really general ideas. Or what we really need to do as ag teachers is teach them how to use the disciplinary literacy of agriculture. 
So disciplinary literacy is those things that are unique to agriculture. So like learning how to read directions. So like reading your engine manual and then going to work on it. Right. So if you think about how you read the Briggs and Stratton manual is very different than how you read to kill a mockingbird. And so we have to help our kids develop those skills. So let me make sure I'm getting this right. Content area literacy is like if I had my kids read The Jungle by Upton Sinclair. So it has to do about with ag, but not necessarily an agricultural thing that they're reading to do something in ag. And then disciplinary literacy is like a manual or a recipe or a here's how I build this thing. Is that right? Am I getting that right? Close. You're right on track with disciplinary literacy. Um, she did it twice. That's the second time she's going to burn us in like a five-minute period. I'm really impressed with you so far. You know, my mom's in town, so I got like a little fired up today. So, <laughs> um, so actually, content area literacy is a little more broad than that. It's like if you have your kids um, do a KWL. You know, what do you know? What do you want to know? What do you learn? Having them summarize their reading, just really general strategies to help them improve okay. their skill set, if that makes sense. Yeah. So in Florida, several years ago, there was a huge push for content area reading. You know, all of our pre-service teachers have to take a course in it. They're, all of our teachers in the cross state had to do professional development, get certified in it. And as you can imagine, a lot of folks rose up with pitchforks and torches saying, hey, this is one more thing you're telling me I have to do. When do I actually get to teach my agriculture or my auto mechanics or my design or whatever else I might be doing? What's your response to, as ag teachers, how should we, how should we be incorporating it? And how do we do this in our classrooms? Well, that's a great question because the good news is a lot of us are already doing that. And so it's being aware of what literacy is. So anytime you have your kids read, write, speak, listen, though that's literacy. So a lot of it is, is you're already doing it. And so when you talk to teachers, the teachers who do literacy all the time, they can't separate it out from just good teaching, if that makes sense. You know, so often, like if you have your kids watch a YouTube video and you say, okay, I need you to write down the three most important facts from this video. That's a literacy strategy. You're already doing it. So it's finding the ways that you already do it. That's really important. Just, just for those keeping score at home, I've asked two good questions, you said, and both Marshall and Kate have kind of gotten a bless your heart answer back. So just, just so, just so you're, if you're playing the home game, keeping score. You know, I was trying so hard not to cuss on this one, but you're making it real tough. <laughs> so, so Laura, looking at this particular study, the project you're working on here, what, what are some of the big take-home messages that you've got for ag teachers, things you found in your results? Uh, I guess the biggest thing is if you're a young teacher, like you're two, three, and you're stressed out that you're not doing it, don't worry, that comes with time. You know, as a young teacher, you have so much going on, so just you know, get through years three and four, and then you start to find ways that you just naturally incorporate literacy into your classroom. So if you, you know, think about what your kids are already doing and then just work to make it, just enhance it or use it a little more. If you just, you know, don't just give them a reading and think about if I'm going to have them read this article, I need to have some questions that go with it or ask them to identify vocabulary words or just those little changes that make the big difference is what you need to look at. So, Laura, have you looked at all at teachers and their, I'm thinking back to when I was teaching um, high school and 
uh, literacy strategies, what you're saying, they came pretty naturally to me because I'm a reader. I'm, I'm a reading, writing learner. I, that is how I operate is through, through text um, and understanding it. Did you find that there are teachers though that, like I'm wondering if someone's not a reader or a reading, writing learner, is it as easy for them to come up with literacy strategies or are there places where they can go? How do they get on board with that? Oh, that's a great question. Um, so I didn't look at people who didn't necessarily consider themselves non-readers. Um, I looked at like the people I looked at for this paper were like super like enthusiastic about it on okay. several different ways. But I would say one thing they talked about that was really important for them is their fellow teachers and not just their fellow ag teachers. It was the teachers in the building. So just talking to them, you know, some of them, one um, lady said she gets such great ideas from her shop teacher who figures out little tiny ways to have kids, you know, they fill out a form of what they've done every day in the shop. So they summarize what they've done or they have to write plans to build it or you know like little things like that of ways that could help kids do it are important and we've talked about that so many times on here that's a certainly a reoccurring theme throughout our podcasts is the value of reaching out and connecting with those teachers in your school that aren't necessarily other career and tech ed teachers yes um yeah so science teachers are a great resource they have lots of ideas um so don't be afraid to reach out to them and and so even if you are in your own building, you know, those are still important relationships to have with people on the main campus. Well, and it's interesting as I think about <clears throat> preparing people for ag careers, you know, so often when we talk about literacy, we'll talk about test scores or increasing our Lexile ability in the STAR program or, you know, ACT preparation, all these strategies. <clears throat> but, you know, abstractly taking in information is a huge part of how we take in info. And you think about when you get in a job and then you just to get a job, you have to do a job application first. Yeah. So it's interesting. I, you know, I think too many times in education, we don't <clears throat> put the why in front of the what, and then we never really give the kids the why, like we never really tell them why we need to learn history. We just tell them like, shut up. You need to learn about world war two. Probably why most good people have really no interest in history. So, you know, here at, at yes, true. Touche. Um, on me as the history person here. Thank you. <laughs> you know, at OSU, they've been talking a lot about transparent grading, where you tell the kids, I am purposefully leaving this assignment ambiguous so that you have to figure out the details. That's a part of this assignment is ambiguity. A part of this assignment is difficulty. I am making this extra difficult to see if you can fight through it. So it makes me think in ag, you know, it might be nice to say, we are requiring you to go find the answers to this project through text, because I want you to start to learn how to read for comprehension and to synthesize what you read. What would be some suggestions that you have for an ag teacher to just try to start get, you know, helping students be career ready with just literacy? Oh. Also a good question, uh, really, like that's kind of what we're here for is to make college students college and career ready. Um, so I am going to, one of my participants, she does a ton of literacy stuff around job interviews and applications and just, you know, learning how to read the job application, figure out what they're asking, how to write a cover letter, how to write a resume, 
she makes them interview. So speaking and listening come are a huge component of that interview, right? Can you comprehend what they're saying and, you know, tell them what they want to hear. Um, another thing is finding ways to use texts that resemble what they have to do in the real world. That was a big thing for ag teachers um, who, who helped me out is they really, they never ever just gave a reading to give a reading. It was a reading that either helped them learn something. Um, so for example, I had um, teachers who would read about like the best way to plant seeds in a greenhouse. So the kids had to come up with their own greenhouse planting guide. They had to figure out ways to um, restore the tractor. So it was all based on like, we are going to solve these problems. What are you going to do? Uh, and you even see it again in like your ag issues, if your state's got that CDE, but ag issues is a lot of research and literacy tied to that as well. So based on that, um, I've seen a, a trend here recently and I, I have got some concerns about it when we talk about industry preparation. So seems like most things are instead of um, holding that standard for people to be able to read and comprehend and to be literate, we're moving the opposite direction and people because of the technology that we have available are moving toward video so blogs are now vlogs i got my phone bill and it is now a video like it's a video phone bill i can't even and for a reading writing learner you can see the the stress that i have over this because i now cannot comprehend my phone bill because it's a video and not a piece of paper so what are your thoughts on that shift and is it still of, are we still preparing students to enter today's industries and tomorrow's industries if we are teaching them literacy? Okay, well, great question and I'll try and answer that. And so if I don't, redirect me. Um, and so even if your video, you get your a, a bill that's a, a video or you, your instruction manuals on YouTube or whatever, you're still listening. You still have to take in that information. So it's just a different type of literacy, if that makes sense. So one of the biggest things that industry people complain about is people who can't listen and people who can't write. So I think that's kind of interesting. If you go back and read a lot of the career literature in agriculture, the biggest thing is they say listening is a problem, but they don't ever talk about how to fix it. So even getting kids, you know, giving them the strategies of how to learn from a video of like what to listen for and what to think about and how to actively engage with them, I think is a huge part. And as you said, it's getting more and more, you know, it's becoming more commonplace. In the same regard, so reading and listening are, are, are passive, like you're taking in the information. So you have to teach students how to take in that information, sort through it, figure out what the key components are, versus speaking and writing are active. Like you have to think about like writing is thinking on paper, speaking is giving people an insight of what's going on in your mind. So it's, you really have to think about how are you kind of covering all the areas um, of, of literacy to help prepare kids for future careers. One thing I was thinking about here, so my dad still is a full-time farmer in Illinois. And he, he would not consider himself a reader, would not consider him some, someone who enjoys reading or whatever else. But going back and now looking there, I, from an early childhood and even today, he doesn't, you know, he does a lot of reading. He wouldn't admit it, but it's not the big, you know, he thinks somebody's a reader is carrying the big thick books around, these sort of things. 
<clears throat> but he's got all kinds of, of journals and publications that come through because again, the Midwest has a lot of that the strong tradition mm -hmm. of print publications there that he's always reading about, but also he's getting, I've noticed going back for visits and talking with him more and more um, companies he works with. We have a big hog building operation we have with, with seed corn. Those are things they're sending in books and, or I mean, like thick pamphlets, I guess you'd have of all kinds of technical information for him to read. And he's, and he's reading and digesting all this stuff every single day, which really sounds like this discipline specific reading you're talking about, discipline specific mm -hmm. literacy. How do we then put that into the classroom and how important is it to be explicit about that? Because even today, if, if he hears this, which he won't because he doesn't do podcasts, or if I asked if he would say he is not a reader, but you look at him and he is. So how do you bring that into the, into the classroom with what we're trying to do? You know, that, that is so common. Uh, my dad does the same thing too. And to go to build off of what Kate said, my dad also loves YouTube. Like he loves, like he, he finds these farm channels on there and he, so yeah. he learns, uh, he just doesn't realize it. He, you know, he's got a stack of Hordes Dairyman magazines next to the bed. So, I mean, like our house is covered, my parents' house is covered in all these farm publications. And so a lot of people do it, they just don't realize it. And so one thing I thought was interesting is a lot of the teachers who do literacy all the time on a regular basis talk about tricking the kids to sneak it in there, like you slip it in there sometimes is what they said. Yeah, you know, like I, vegetables, right? Huh? <laughs> yeah, like vegetables, same way. Yeah, and so they just said you just trick them to do it. And so like if you make it part of like, well, we need to fix this. Here's the engine manual. Read that first, figure it out. That's kind of their strategy to go about that. And so I think if you are, if you want to include more literacy into your classroom, um, find ways that are realistic of what people already do. Um, I can't help you with that because we don't really know fully what disciplinary literacy in ag ed looks like. Like that's something we kind of, we have this idea of like reading to apply is a big thing. Um, but that's about it. And so I guess getting your kids to read directions, to figure them out, to apply that information to real world settings is the, is the great way to that. And so, and so if you want to do more, you know, don't, don't do what I did when I was a young teacher. I was like, this is great. I'm going to do it all right. Like I'm going to save the world. That's a terrible idea because I couldn't sustain it. So it's a slow build of here's what I'm already doing. Here's how I can advance it through incorporating some reading or writing or speaking or listening. And then once you feel comfortable with that, maybe you learn a new literacy strategy. Maybe you pick up a new graphic organizer you want to embed and work with that for a while and become comfortable and then start, um, you know, so once you become comfortable with that, you can use it with all your students. Then you, you pick up a new idea. Maybe it's a new way to do vocabulary or a new way to summarize information or whatnot. So it's just the slow build over time. I like what Marshall said though, um, going back to that notion, you know, sneaking it in like vegetables versus letting them know we're going to do this and here's why and making that a little bit more transparent. I think that's a, we hear that a lot as far as like kids being able to transfer skills, right? You got to let them know that this is what they're doing so that they then can say, oh, now I see how this applies to the other classes and the other things that I'm doing. Be interesting to see the difference in the two, making that more explicit or not. I know there are some studies out there that have done that, but I don't, I don't know the results off the top of my head. 
Yeah, and I think that the teachers just like talk about like slipping it in there right away to kind of reduce student resistance. Because yeah. sometimes students get this idea of like, I'm an egg kid, I'm not an English kid. Like they have like, they just, you know, like they, they just think that they can't be, they, they can only be successful in the egg class. And so if you ask them to do outside the norm, they would struggle with it. But I think the egg teachers that do a good job, there is always going to be student pushback, but the way they do it of making it just a natural part of the lesson or a natural fit makes all the difference in the world to reduce student pushback. And the ones who do it a lot also are, are, are ready for the fight. If that makes like, you know, they talked about like, sometimes you just dig in and you just got to hold in those expectations. And so eventually they stop fighting you was, but one of them said is like, nope, we, if you want to go out and work on this, you got to have a, you got to have a plan. Like you have to give me a, like a written plan before you can go, you know, like towing that line in the sand and making them yeah. come up to it. So, so Marshall, I'd be interested on your take, both as a building principal and at, at a school district level as a board member. What, what do you look when you're out there and what are principals looking for in the classroom around this kind of stuff? Because it's, it's, it's still a hot topic, but I think we've been doing so much, at least in Florida, it's not as up on top of everybody's mind as it is, but it's still something that everybody talks about all the time. So what are some things that um, maybe ag teachers can be doing to help, not only help their students, but hit some buttons for the administration as well? Yeah, <clears throat> well, I think there's probably two types of administrators. There's one that just says, you know, the ag department is out at their center and we just want them to be an elective and, you know, they let the tradition kind of run that. And so if that's the case and you're a, you're a teacher, I think you could sell to the school your value add. Um, myself as a principal, every day when I walked in, I would look at our PLC common, common scores. I was always looking at our star reading, our star math. Those were two indices that in my school, we had a huge graph in the, in that, that would demonstrate like, what is our reading proficiency level? Like, how is that changing? And STAR was our assessment. So what I would look for is, you know, football. I'm not expecting football to increase their literacy, really. That's an extracurricular activity. <clears throat> but sometimes ag education would treat itself like extracurricular, yet it took up one of my six hour periods in the day. I think the thing for me as a principal that twisted my thinking from an ag teacher was all day, every day I was thinking about, I have six hours, six 50 minute blocks of time to increase these students' performance. And, you know, my mentality was I can't give up one of those blocks. I can't give up one of the six where you just do not engage in the academic growth that I will either be fired for or be awarded for. So for me as a principal, you know, I was often going to the ag chapter and saying, I want you to be very successful in some of these more extracurricular activities, but I want to see that an ag teacher is at least contributing to that overall school mission of improving math and science and reading literacy. So for me, if an ag teacher had students reading, summarizing, you know, and by the way, you can be doing all that with speeches. Like mm -hmm. if you're writing a speech, you have to read a ton of references and you have to synthesize that unless 
the ag teacher or your mom or your brother writes the speech for you and does all the research for you, that happens. You're just playing a game. You are not increasing literacy. And I, I see that a lot, that we give up this awesome opportunity to have kids learn how to synthesize because we want to win. Yeah, and for an award. That, you know, oh, Jared had that speech five years ago and it was good. Um, so that's where my head would be as a principal. Well, I just want to go back and build on what you said, Marshall, is taking this beyond the ag room, but into the like across the three circle model. Think about all the great, like all the speeches or all the CDEs where students have to learn and gather information and synthesize it. Like that is huge. Think about trying to like do your SAE record book. You want to talk about disciplinary literacy. Think of all the unique terms and vocabulary things and writing skills that you have to have to get that done and to do a good job of it. You know, like one of the best quotes came from my participants said like, you can have the best project in the world, but that's not going anywhere if you can't write about it. So I think if you're an egg teacher is sell what you're already doing because you're already doing it. And I think that's great. It's a great way to summarize what we're doing here, Laura. This is stuff that we're supposed to be putting into our classrooms already. It's stuff that, that is good teaching, as you talked about. It's the things that really are integrated throughout the total ag ed program. You know, as you're mentioning there, I'm thinking about what we kind of call the new breed of, of CDEs that are out there and where, where members are presented with written material. They got to synthesize and pull some information from to complete some sort of project. I mean, they have to do that to, to finish that competition. That's the kind of stuff we should be building into our classrooms to make those kind of things happen. And so, this is phenomenal stuff. We appreciate the work that you're doing, Laura. Thank you so much for, for being with us here today on Owl Pellets. Well, thank you. I, I will come back if you ever want a repeat guest. Thanks, Folks, uh, this is, again, phenomenal stuff. Laurel Hasquist there at uh, South Dakota State University is doing great stuff up there. Uh, check out what's, what's happening at that university. Check out this particular work through the uh, infographic and the resource we're going to be having on online. This is should be seen as something we should be doing every single day and, and really kind of enhancing and being explicit rather than one more thing we're trying to shove into our classrooms. It can really, it can really make a, a difference in our teaching. So um, again, for Laura Hasselquist, Kate Shoulders, Marshall Baker, this is Brian Myers here by the Owl Pellet. Thank you guys for being with us today and hopefully you found it helpful. The University of Florida's Department of Agricultural Education and Communication offers graduate certificates to expand your professional experience in agriculture and natural resources. Our certificates are designed for both non-degree seeking students and those pursuing advanced degrees anywhere in the world. If you are interested in refining your teaching or leadership skills to make a greater impact on the world, our certificate programs are a great place to start. AEC is proud to empower agriculturalists who will become the next educators, the next communicators, and the next leaders for the Gator Good. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Owl Pellets. Please visit our webpage for more information on this topic and to learn more about all of our guests. Be sure to follow Owl Pellets on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It would also be great for you to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. Also, we ask that you please take a moment and comment on our podcast so others can find it as well. So for Kate and Marshall, this is Brian here by the Owl Pellet saying thanks and we look forward to seeing you again on another episode of Owl Pellets. 
tips for ag teachers.